What specifically would you do that you aren't currently able to because your health condition is holding you back? Welcome to Balance Health Now podcast. I'm your certified functional nutrition health coach and host, Sydney Torres. My passion is helping moms with SIBO, aka small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, find their underlying root causes. My other passion is speaking to other health and wellness warriors who share the same vision, wellness for all. We chat all things A to Z on holistic health and wellness, providing holistic and science-based solutions to help you reclaim your health so you can live, feel, and transform into the best version of you. If you don't have your health, then what do you have? The first step is up to you. I release new episodes every Wednesday. Hope to see you inside. This podcast is meant for educational purposes only. The content should not be used to diagnose, treat, cure any medical or psychological disorder. Hello and welcome to Balance Health Now podcast. I'm your certified functional nutrition health coach and your host, Sydney Torres. Today, I get to hang out with Orit Kruronsky, and we're going to be talking all about natural vision improvement. Thank you so much, Orit, for being here today. I'm happy to be here. Before we get started, I just want to share a little bit about you and what you do. Orit is a visual educator helping people of all ages improve their eyesight and the need for glasses. When you were seven, that's when you got your first pair of glasses. And it wasn't until you were 38 where your vision started to improve. You went from a negative 8.5 diopters and now you don't wear glasses. You have published a book called I See Clearly, which is an illustrated Bates method book for children and adults. It's been translated into four languages, and you are joining me all the way from Barcelona, Spain. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So I always like to start just by hearing your story and how you got to where you are today. Um, so first of all, I got glasses when I was seven and then I spent 30 years with glasses, um, with the same, you know, no questions policy that everybody else has with glasses. It's just like, oh, you don't see well, you need glasses as if like the body uh, had developed a need for glasses, which, you know, (laughs) kind of strange, but I never questioned that. And then when I was 38, um, no, when I was 35, I guess I started studying osteopathy and realized that the body can heal itself. And there are a lot of ways, a lot of things that we can do to uh, uh, improve our health conditions. And we're not just dependent on medications and, uh, you know, uh, kind of aggressive interventions, um, Western medicine style. And and I started to wonder uh, if the body can heal itself, why would the eyes be different? Um, and so I started looking and I found the Bates methods and, uh, started improving my eyesight and finally discarded the glasses. So for those listening right now, could you just explain what the Bates method is? Okay. So, uh, Dr. Bates was, uh, was an ophthalmologist and he lived in New York a hundred years ago. 
And he was really frustrated with glasses as a solution for eye problems. Well, because glasses don't solve any eye problems. You put on your glasses, you don't see any better when you take them off. So it's like as if you were taking uh, some medication that didn't help you. <laughs> or like, I mean, it's just it's just like a wheelchair in a way. It doesn't help. It helps you get from one place to another, but it doesn't help you see better. So he investigated how people see, and he found out that people who see well use their eyes in a different way than people who don't see well. And he started teaching these uh, correct seeing habits to people who, who had eyesight problems and those regained their eyesight. And that's what I teach. I teach people uh, good seeing habits. So could you go a little bit deeper into, because you said that glasses don't solve eye problems. Could you kind of go a little bit deeper on how people can start to, I guess, see differently and train their eyes? Sure. Um, well, the first thing would be to take off your glasses. So if you're in a wheelchair and you want to, um, you know, regain your ability to walk, the first thing you have to do is kind of wobble out of that chair and see what your legs can do. So the first thing to do in order to uh, regain your eyesight is to minimize the use of glasses and let your, you let your eyes um, just let, let them out, let them uh, um, be free. And then um, I would say that maybe the most powerful and the most accessible um, natural vision practice is just to be outside in nature or even in the city without your glasses on. Because um, the way that we see outside is uh, really the natural way that, uh, that eyes were designed to see because there's a lot of things happening all around us and uh, our attention goes from one thing to another, from one distance to another. So you're looking, uh, all, all of a sudden you're looking at the time on your watch and then you're looking at uh, a cloud to see if it's going to rain. Then a dog passes and you look at the dog and then a lady passes with a really beautiful bag and you look at the bag. So there's a lot of things happening and that's, that's a good seeing situation. Uh, natural light, a lot of things happening, things coming in and out from your visual field and you're just changing your focal distance all the time. And as opposed to that, I would say the worst uh, seeing situation is uh, when you're, um, let's say, looking at your cell phone in a dark room, you're only seeing uh, that thing, you're concentrated on one thing, it's at the same distance all the time, nothing is happening in the periphery, and uh, the, the light is artificial. So that would maybe be the, the worst situation, like at, at night with no other lights on. So actually natural vision is, is, really, is really natural. It really has to do with the way eyes um, were made to, to be used, which is being outside most of the time, looking at the distance most of the time, and alternating distances. So my question is, besides eye sharpness, what are some other parameters to seeing? Um, people have a, a tendency of uh, thinking about eyesight only in terms of sharpness, but eyesight has a lot of parameters. It has sharpness, it has 3D vision, color, uh, depth perception. There are a lot of things going on. So you can say that a person uh, with, uh, who's nearsighted cannot see sharply, but he can or she can probably see to the distance mm, blurry things. So um, even that already is, uh, is relaxing for the eyes to just send the eyes far, send your attention to somewhere that's far, even if it's blurry for you. Um, so uh, Really, uh, people with uh, people with uh, nearsightedness tend to 
not even look beyond their little bubble of, of clarity with or without glasses. I mean, even with the glasses, they don't look so far because it's, it's also like, a, um, there are also emotional aspects to, uh, to the eyesight thing that I can get into. But uh, so just, just letting the eyes look far, uh, even if you're not seeing clearly, is better than not looking far. Looking far is really the resting position of the eyes. If you imagine if you, um, if you have uh, your arm up in the air, it can be relaxed, but it's, but it's working, right? There's some muscles working to get to, to leave your arm up there. Um, so look, that's, that would be looking near. Looking near is always, always involves a muscular action. While looking far is just like having your arms hanging down. They can be totally tense if you're tense, but they're hanging down. They're not, there's no necessary muscular action to maintain the arm down. So there's no muscular action to maintain uh, the eyes looking far. That's the resting position of the eyes. That's why it's so important. And also, um, that's why it's the, rest, the, it's the resting position of the eyes because that's, that would, that's what normally we should be doing most of the time, looking far. Is there a correlation between somebody straining their eyes and like the emotional aspect of them having strains per se in their life? Definitely. There definitely is. There definitely is a connection. Um, people who use their eyes uh, with strain are, are also um, just going through stress in their life or going through emotional difficulties. And most most people who who got their glasses uh, when they were when they were kids, like eighty percent of the people, can identify the the time they got their glasses with an emotionally complicated moment. I mean, for me, my parents were getting a nasty divorce, and I was having problems at school with the other kids who didn't like me, and uh, and I was I just remember, I remember thinking, I wish the world would just take one step backwards, and then and then it did. It just blurred wonderful but then uh somebody realized that i can't see the blackboard and they put me uh they fit me with some glasses and so it's like okay i wish the world would take one step backwards and then the stronger glasses and stronger glasses and stronger glasses <laughs> until at some point it stabilized but um for for people who have childhood uh, eye problems mostly they can identify this and when you talk to people who have um, who have like old age related uh, eyesight, which is no longer old age related, it's now like middle age related <laughs> because the age is going down. Um, if they think about it for a while, they can actually identify also the stressful situations or the moments where the where the eyesight really went um, really really went blurry with uh, connecting it with some strain. Uh, work-related or emotional or things happening in their lives. I said really, um, I said problems are, are a defense mechanism uh, just to, to keep us uh, safe, to keep us with more space. When we can't handle the world, um, our eyes step in to help us and then we don't thank them. <laughs> right, that's, um, that's just amazing and that just goes to show how everything is the mind and the body are just so connected. If somebody has had like that childhood emotional stress or that emotional trauma, then like you said, the eyes, you know, step in and um, you just wanted to like 
wanted the world to take a step back. So I, I just think that's so fascinating on that connection. And I'm glad that you bring up that point just so people can hear this and, you know, try to make their own connections on, okay, let me go back to uh, like, what was it in my childhood? Like if they're adults now, what was it in my childhood that, you know, possibly could have been a trigger for me to um, lead my eyes to this condition? Right. And also people whose children are having eyesight problems. It's interesting to have this information to not just think there's something wrong with the eye, but go look and see what's 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 going on with the kid. Why why is your child having eyesight problems? Are they okay in school? Are they okay at home? You know, are they going through something? Maybe you can help them. I mean, maybe you can't. There was like my parents divorced, maybe could have been less nasty, but it was unavoidable. It was, you know, a good thing at the end for them to divorce. They were not a good, they were not, a, they were not a happy marriage. But um, I think nobody was really aware of how, how this was affecting me um, or maybe, you know, not enough. But I also wanted to say um, that it really is a two-way street, uh, the body and the mind, or like our mind and our emotions. And I want to mention um, two things that have to do with, uh, with our current habits. Um, one of them is the way that we look at cell phones with our head hanging down in the, like, uh, uh, Marie Antoinette uh, kind of posture with your head kind of drooping down towards your cell phone. So um, there's some psychological evidence that that position of the head, the, the head drooping down, uh, except for the cervical problems that it's going to cause people in the long run, also um, denotes for the body a position of surrender, um, of, uh, of failure, and of um, like uh, hopelessness. And so it seems that people in that position are more prone to negative thoughts and, uh, and to uh, um, expecting negative outcomes than when they, have, when they hold their head up high, as, you know, as culturally you say, oh, hold your head up high, no? And when you hold your head up high, you're actually more positive and it's more likely that you find um, creative solutions to your problems. Uh, and we're spending all this time in that position that signals to our body that that we're that we just lost, we surrendered. And the other thing that has to do with that is um, our peripheral vision, especially our deep periphery, the, the part where we almost don't even see what's there. We just see movement like uh, from the corner of your eye, as you would say. Um, that part also has to do with uh, with our feeling safe. And that's the part that falls off the glasses, because if you wear glasses, that part is too blurry compared to the rest of your visual field. And it's also the part that we totally ignore when we look at computers and just, you know, um, look at a screen and think that the, the, the only thing interesting is the screen and just ignore everything else. So ignoring that periphery um, gives us signals to the body that we're in a position of tunnel vision, which is a position of, uh, um, you know, mortal danger. So we're looking at this, we're staring at this screen and our body is like, there is something very dangerous here that we, we are ignoring everything else just to make sure it doesn't bite us. So we're producing stress in ourselves by staring at things and ignoring the periphery. So those are two things that kind of go from the habit direction to, the, to, the, to creating more stress and more anxiety in our lives. 
So, um, because I know a lot of people are working from home now, so the majority of their time is spent on computers. So a good suggestion would be um, what, like maybe every 10 minutes to just kind of like glance away off to the side to just kind of give the eyes a, a break. Right. I mean, there's there's this thing of glancing off to the side, but but really, I think you should you should constantly be looking somewhere else. <laughs> Not I mean, uh, what I suggest to people is to um, work close to a window where there's something behind the computer. Don't don't work um, in front of a wall. So there's something interesting happening behind your computer. And so the eyes kind of go naturally there. If there's if if you're flat on the wall, the eyes will just like stay at the same distance. But there's if there's a window behind, the eyes will just go even quicker than you notice. And also to have like um, some plants or or some hanging things, mobile mobiles, you know, or uh, wind chimes or something that moves a little bit that you can see beyond your computer to the sides and just glance. Don't don't say, oh, 10 minutes and I'm and I'm going to take a breath of air. Just think about it as something that you constantly do. Um, if you're having if you're on a Zoom call, you don't have to be staring at the camera. You can look just above the camera just a little bit and nobody notices. It's not like it. It's not um, impolite. I actually get people in my classes to look through the window and not look at the Zoom at all. But you just naturally you would be looking in all directions a little bit. This staring thing is so unnatural for us. So just um, think think of your computer screen as as something that you can look at and look away real quickly. And then every 20 minutes, get up. <laughs> so don't don't just stay there for hours and hours. But the, the glancing to the sides, I think, should be much more often than than every 10 minutes. It's really it's something constant. I mean, if you imagine walking outside, when would you ever? Outside, have your gaze fixed on something for so long. Really never, because there's like a bird goes by, um, a person goes by, you hear a sound, the wind, la la la. There's always things happening around you. We've never been in a situation that's so isolated from, from, uh, uh, from life, from, you know, the beating of just, you know, of life. So... Uh, yeah, I think um, I think get some stuff around your computer to to distract you, to call your attention, and have some some visual depth behind your computer. Don't don't push your computer to the wall. That's what I tell my students. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you put it in that perspective, um, in comparing it to or gave the analogy of being outside. Like how often, it, and that's true. How often do we go outside and we're just like fixated on one thing? We're not. So just kind of taking kind of like that mind spec, uh, that mindset and that perspective and just shifting it and applying that to when we are at our computers, because I am 100% guilty of staring into, um, especially because I do a lot of Zoom calls, just like, I'm like just fixated, you know, um, looking into the camera and my computer is up against a wall. So these are, these are great tips um, that you are sharing with everybody that we can just, just simple, they're simple and they're easy. We can do like, how easy is it just to go get a plant or maybe right. just like, there's a window right next to me. So I can just have to just 
shifts um, my computer. Yeah, um, just a little bit, just to have the window there. And the eyes are really, um, the eyes are very quick. They go much faster than, than, than you imagine. Um, so actually your eyes are not as fixed on the computer as you think, but your attention is. So what you need to move a little bit is your attention. Um, yeah, so, uh, so that's really, really important and it really makes a difference. And the other thing for on tips uh, that really makes a difference is blinking. Um, when we spend time with computers, uh, we tend to blink a lot less. And it has also to do with that uh, mortal danger thing because when you're, imagine the computer is like a deadly snake. There's not, nothing else that I can think of that you would really not take your eyes off. I mean, maybe a tiger, but just deadly danger. You don't want to take your eyes off. You don't even want to blink because it might just attack you. So that's the only condition in which, in nature, we would be uh, staring at something and not blinking. So um, if you're with another human and you don't blink, after a while, the other human will blink. They'll be like <laughs> blinking, 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 because because it really it's bothersome. And we have this communication between between humans, right? This uh, empathic and mirror responses. So if somebody's um, somebody has attention, often you will relax. If somebody's holding their breath, after a while you'll go, <sighs> and the other person will go, <sighs> and then everybody's relaxed. But on computers, it doesn't happen because um, we're not really in the same physical space. If it's a Zoom call. And if it's just, you know, computer programs or text or whatever, then they never blink or breathe. So um, another thing that I tell my students, which is kind of funny and silly, is to like uh, stick a little post-it note that says blink and breathe. Or if you're too embarrassed to uh, have that, you can have like some nice children draw a cloud and some wind um, to remind you to, or like an, a, you know, a blinking eye or something to remind you to blink and breathe. And just this like little reminder, even if you don't think that you look at it, you actually do look at it and it will remind you, you will blink and breathe more in front of the computer if you have the little post-it. I've, uh, I've tested it. I mean, uh, no, empirically tested on my students. <laughs> I like that. I like the post-it note, blink and breathe. That's something, um, God, I have like a stack of post-it notes. So, I mean, how easy is that gonna be for me to write blink, breathe, post-it and, um, I'll have that there. I wanted to ask you, um, what are some of the big myths you hear about um, eyesight? Well, the huge one is that eyesight only gets worse. I mean, what else in the body only gets worse? I think nothing. It's so it's so hard to maybe maybe teeth, <laughs> but but I mean teeth. I also think it's a myth. So the big myth is that there's nothing to do, that uh, that uh, there's there's just no no solution for our eyes, that eyes only get worse. And the other big myth I would say is that uh, glasses don't hurt, that glasses have no like uh, negative effects, and that is not true. I mean, uh, there's not enough research on it, but we are seeing um, some correlations between the prolonged use of glasses and uh, and eye diseases, and we're definitely seeing a difference in eye diseases from people taking off their glasses. So um, thinking that uh, you just wear this thing that makes your body um, act unnaturally for 30, 40, 50 years, and it's not gonna do anything harmful, 
I think that's just naive. Obviously, if you if you're putting if you're in a wheelchair, your legs are gonna you know not be in best shape. Okay, these are really good. You know, thank you for sharing all of these tips and just your knowledge because, God, there's so many different misconceptions about the eyes because I always just growing up and just I guess I was just conditioned like oh the eyes are just like so sensitive and you kind of have to like baby them in a way but just with speaking with you no the eyes are a lot stronger than people think yeah 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 the eyes are are really okay (laughs) they're they're well made there's like no no reason to fear for them (laughs) right is can you think of um one story that comes to your mind where you have been working with a client where you have just seen dramatic changes like they came into you and they may have been like doubtful like oh this is not gonna work I'm gonna be wearing glasses my whole life and they just had like that total mind shift and they improved their vision there's I mean it's it's more of a slow process so it's not like uh, from one day to the next but uh, people discovering that they can walk around without glasses is really incredible um, because, uh, people come into, come in and they say, I can't see anything without my glasses. And that's mostly not true because really, um, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of space there to see things. And so I had this woman who came in with 18 diopters and, um, that's, that's a lot of diopters of, uh, of nearsightedness. And she's like, I can't see anything without my glasses. And I was like, okay. And we started to work and I was like, Today, we're going to walk outside without glasses. And she was terrified. She was like, no, I'm going to die. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm going to be with you. You're not going to die. You're not even going to fall. Nobody's ever fallen in my classes. And we started walking and she was amazed at, at how much she saw, how much she could see. And, uh, and then she said, to, then after a while, after a few months, she said to me, you know, when I put my glasses on, the only thing I notice is what I don't see. But when I take them off, I notice I see so much. So it's really very different. And then, and then this woman um, had a had a needs needed a cataract surgery. She was having a, a cataract, and the doctors were you can't see anything with with this eye. And when they removed the cataract, they were amazed. The doctors were amazed. They were like, "How is this eye seeing so well? It's seeing even better than before the cataract was there." So she really, really improved a lot uh, her her vision from eighteen diopters. Um, wow. So that was, uh, or people who have, uh, like, um, people who have, uh, like, uh, like, uh, opacity in front of the eye and all of a sudden it lifts and they're like, I can see the light through the, through the place in my eye that was completely opaque. And, and this happens all the time. So it's really amazing. There's a lot of flexibility in the eye and there's a lot of, uh, uh, capacity of, uh, of recuperating eyesight and uh, improving. Um, so. Wow. You know, I also wanted to ask you, um, if you could just share a little bit about your book, I see clearly. Right. So, um, my book is, is a, is basically a children's book, um, that explains the bait method through games. Uh, and then after, after I wrote it and it got illustrated and I uh, started selling it, I realized that grownups were using it, um, to, 
just to to take the exercises in a more playful manner and and i realized that uh, that we have so many obligations and so many routines and so many things that need to be done just a specific way and that uh, i said is really something that's much better um to do from curiosity uh in a playful way and just uh, exploring the world and not being so concerned with uh with the results so uh, i started teaching this playful way of uh, of uh, improving eyesight to adults they would come and they would say but how many minutes a day do i need to i'm like no 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 look at the colors you know look at look at what you like you know you like ducks look at ducks you know <laughs> and just like taking it to wherever people want to want to actually be and where where they're really interested and curious when where they're not doing it in a mechanical way and uh, and so um yeah i think um the, the playful angle is is good for kids, but also it's good for adults because a lot of times um, your eyesight is somewhere really close to your inner child. And uh, so when you get that playfulness back, you get that curiosity back, it's no longer about, um, you know, uh, having to see some size letter. It's about beauty and it's about space and about connection. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so, uh, that's, uh, kind of went off the topic of my book, but, uh, my book is basically just a 40 page book with illustrations and it explains the, the most basic and important things of the Bates methods, uh, blink, breathe, uh, yawn, look in all directions, uh, look at colors, look at details and, uh, look at movement. And it just explains everything that you need to know in a very playful way and simple way. And, and where can this be purchased? Amazon? Today, finally, I managed to get it on Amazon. So you can, you can get it on Amazon. <laughs> we have, we did a print run in the UK, but, uh, but then UK is really complicated to send stuff from. So from now on it's on Amazon. Yeah. I see clearly. So you can oh, find great, it. Oh, great. Great. And you know, I'm, I'm going to put all your information in the show notes. Um, I could even put the book link in there just to make it easy for anybody that is interested. And it, I'm going to get this book. I mean, it, it sounds the way you're describing it. It just sounds so wonderful. And I like that the playful aspect of it, because I think a lot of times as we go from like child to adult. I think we just get into like that adult mentality, like, oh, I have to be serious all the time <laughs> and I can't play, I can't act like a child. But I think it's so important to kind of like bring out that child aspects of ourselves and it just makes life more enjoyable and it makes it fun because who wants to be serious all the time, you know? I have no idea. I don't know them. But uh, you know what the thing is about playfulness is that it's also the best way to learn. The way scientists learn, the way artists learn or explore things, the way children learn language and walking and culture, they're all through play. And then we go to school and they're like, no, 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 that's not a good way. Let's do it this way. Memorize this. Sit here and don't move. And, and then as adults, we, we stay with that. We, like we, we have that, that idea in our head. But when you go back to play, it's just really a more efficient way to learn, more efficient way to teach yourself things. Because um, when you're stressed, when you're um, when you have like expectations and you need to, you have deadlines, all these adult things, they're really not good for for learning or creativity 
um, or changing habits because they're just stressful. And so you, you're like more in shutdown mode than in openness mode and receiving mode. Absolutely. So, hmm. I have one final question for you. And that is, what is one thing somebody can do for their health? One thing um, I would say, okay, take off your glasses and walk outside. That's the thing. That's the best thing you can do for your eyesight. And uh, if you're if you're scared of walking outside, take a friend. I or, like I'm that. Scared so, as I in stepping on a you know snake or something. <laughs> I like that. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for just taking the time to be here and just for the work that you do. You are helping people regain and improve their vision and you're helping them get their confidence back and you're out there busting all of those different myths around eyesight and i just want to say thank you for the work that you are doing and i want to thank you for having me it's so it's so nice to to talk to you and it's great to to reach your public and i really just think people i want people to have a choice you know if you want to use glasses that's fine but just know that there's another that there's another option and that's really my mission i mean beyond the teaching that i do for people who want to improve their eyesight i just want you to know that you can or that you could and that's really important for me because if not we're like in a world that has no choice and so if you choose the glasses that's fine but choose them right yes and one last thing i'm i'm all about options as well i i think it's so important that we realize and know, yes, these are all of my options and pick which one works best for you. It may be the glasses. It may be deciding I don't need these anymore and I'm just going to take the time to naturally improve them. Right. So exactly. well said. Okay, great. So all thank right. you very much. Thank you. Wait, don't go just yet. If you like today's episode, please leave a review. This way, the message of health and wellness can get shared with others. If you ever want to hang out, you can find me on Instagram at Balance Health Now. Until next time, stay well.